You see, what's it going to take in our culture for people to see that God is real and that he is true and that he is powerful? I think it's going to be people living into the power of God and testifying it and loving and serving and giving abundantly. Welcome to the Resurgence Messages Podcast. We gather and minister regularly for the purpose of reaching people, reviving churches, and releasing leaders. Our prayer is that this message will inspire you to arise for the kingdom of God. For more information on the ministry of Resurgence and how you can take part, check out liveresurgence.com. So we're really excited to share with you. You've entitled the message tonight, Clothed uh, with Power. And feel free to say amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Uh, whatever you feel like, you, like if you want to grunt, ooh, you know, whatever, it doesn't matter. It just some some feedback's always nice. I think we're allowed to do that here. Is that right? Oh, well, I guess not because no one responded. So we'll jump in and maybe I'll pray pray some life into you. Okay, Father God, we thank you for your word. It's it's it always produces a result. And so I'm thankful, and even as Pastor Donovan has said, just that, that I want to make room for you, that tilling of the soil in our hearts again. So do that right now, in this moment, that, uh, that we would just receive what you, what you have for us tonight. And thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're the best preacher in this room. So I just pray that you preach, you speak, in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Okay, good, you're good. Okay, phew, we're out there. The Great Commission is something I think we'd all agree that is way too big for us and uh, for us to accomplish on our own. And I think God knew that. God wasn't, setting to, God wasn't setting us up to fail or failing to set us up. He just made it so big that we could never do it on our own strength, our own efforts, that we needed the Holy Spirit to go into all the world and make disciples. And, uh, and so... Uh, John chapter 20, verse 22, I'll just quickly read it for you. Uh, they are hiding after, the, uh, you know, after some, some time in, in, in a room, and, and he shows up, Jesus shows up, and he, the Bible says he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Uh, fascinating little thought there that Jesus just comes into a room, and he's like, <sighs> have you ever thought about what that moment would have been like and what Jesus's breath smelt like? I would say frankincense and myrrh would be my guess. I don't know. And, uh, and so he, he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. And if you actually look, there's only two places that really God breathes on man. And the first one, of course, is Adam. He breathed into the nostrils of Adam. That word nostrils is a hilarious word. Just side note. And, uh, and he says, uh, and he breathes life into them. And this time he breathes on them and says, receive life again through the Holy Spirit. But before that, he says, uh, peace be with you twice. I think it's really important for us to understand that one of the best ways to receive the Holy Spirit is at peace. You don't actually have to work yourself up into anything. It's almost as easy as breathing as receiving the Holy Spirit. I think we sometimes make it too complicated. Even Pastor Travis said, just, you know, just put your hands out and say, come Holy Spirit, and guess what he does? You don't have to work for it. He's here and he's willing, uh, he's willing to just fill you and speak into your life. 
A.W. Tozer said this, every believer has the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit doesn't have every believer. And so the second you invite Jesus into your life, the Holy Spirit comes in, everyone in Christ, uh, you know, has spiritual gifts, is able to witness, pray, see God work. There's no second class Christians. Everybody is on the same level at the cross. And it's important for us to understand that when we invite, what A.W. Tozer is saying, when we invite uh, Jesus into our life, the Holy Spirit is a seal of our salvation. It's a deposit of what is to come. I love that idea. I, I believe it's uh, 2 Corinthians 1.22. It's the first installment that guarantees everything that is promised. And so when my wife and I bought our house, uh, unfortunately, we couldn't pay for it all cash. We had to make a deposit. And what we said we were going to do when we signed those papers is that we were going to, uh, we were going to fulfill our duty of paying off this loan. And this is just the first deposit of more money that will be coming. I want you to think about this, that when, when, when Paul writes that in 2 Corinthians 1.22, he's saying that the third, the third person of the Godhead is just a deposit. Meaning that there's way more. Everybody say more. More. There's way more. This is just the deposit. And I want you to... Uh, I want you to just get that in your heart tonight, that whatever you have of God, there's always more. There's always more. So why is the Holy Spirit so important? Obviously, there's a thousand reasons, but one of them is this. Luke chapter 24, verses 48 to 49. And this is where <clears throat> I get this idea of being clothed with power. Uh, I didn't come up with it. Jesus said it, and so that's good enough for me. So it says this, you are my witnesses of these Things And behold, I am sending forth the promise of my father upon you, but you are to stay until stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. So this is prior to uh, this is prior to the outpouring of the spirit in Acts chapter two, which we'll read here in a second. But I want you to understand that he said, don't leave the city until you are clothed with power. Can I encourage you tonight? Don't leave this room until you are clothed with power. Can I get an amen out there? So why did Jesus use clothes as a metaphor? It's very visual. It's, it's, it's helpful. Uh, I think clothes are important. I see most of you in this, well, all of you in this room think clothes are important as well. So why do he use it? He wasn't stuck for a metaphor. He's like, you know, you should stay around here until you are, I don't know, clothed with power. No, he wanted to, he wanted to be super intentional with explaining that. So a couple things that I think that are important to note when Jesus is saying being clothed with power and using this metaphor, he's trying to teach us something. So the first thing we need to know about clothes is you consciously have to put them on intentionally every day. That we are to pray every single day for God to release his power. You know, that, that we are to pray and ask Jesus, God, would you just give us your power? Clothes go with you wherever you go. I love that in the Great Commission, that word go means as you go about your day. That you should have power. So when you put clothes on in the mornings, you should say, yes, I'm putting on this power that God wants me to have. Well, clothes don't look the same. They are unique to the wearer. Um, so you need power for different callings and different giftings and, and, and the different needs around you. So you should never compare. 
Dr. Howard Hendricks said this many years ago, that the highest form of carnality is comparison, meaning we're never more human than when we're comparing to other people. When we see the climate we are in, we are quickly, we are quickly reminded of our great need for clothes. Uh, it's nice that it's warming up. We were out walking our dog today. The sun was shining, but it was still a bit brisk. Uh, I think when you look at the spiritual climate in Canada, hey, I think we are keenly aware that we need the power of God. And another thing about clothes, you notice when you don't have them. <laughs> Guess what? Others notice when you don't have them. I think that's, I think that's out there. That I think, I, I, there's, I'm going to talk about that in a little bit, but I think it's really important that, that, that we come with this, with this sense of God's power at work in us every single day. Can I get an amen out there? Well, how I grew up in the Pentecostal uh, charismatic church and and uh, maybe you didn't, and you had a different trajectory, but I did, was a, quite a focus, obviously being Pentecostal, named after the day of Pentecost, talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I think, unfortunately, at least in our tribe and in our movement, what we have done is we've just made this a checked box. It's like a checklist. It's like, yeah, great, when, you, when you're baptized in the Spirit, great, you just check it, and then you totally ignore the main purpose of what that outpouring was meant for and that outpouring was meant for power for power so Jesus said in Acts 1 8 some of his last word he seemed to think power was pretty important he seemed to think this baptism he seemed to think that this this being clothed with power was critically important for us to fulfill the great commission Acts 1 5 says for John baptized with water but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now that word uh, baptism means baptizo. And what that means is uh, it's like a, a, a sinking ship or uh, if you've ever made pickles, you take the cucumber and you put the cucumber in the, I was going to say you put the pickles in that. No, you put the cucumber in the vinegar and the dill. And if you uh, like them spicy, then you put jalapenos and do that thing. This idea of baptized means this, that, that you begin to, like the cucumber, take the characteristics of that which you are being baptized into. So when you're baptized into the Spirit, it's like a sinking ship. You are never to, supposed to come up again. You're supposed to stay immersed. Now, obviously, we don't do that with water baptism. Otherwise, we'd be murdering people. But in the Spirit, that's exactly what we need to be doing. We need to be baptized, sinking, staying, and then taking on the characteristics of, of that which we're being baptized into. And so when we're asking for power, we're asking for power for transformation, just even in our own strength. But just a few verses later, Jesus says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria to the remotest part of the earth, picking up a little bit on the Great Commission. I love this idea of being ear and eyewitnesses. You see, Jesus is not going to ask anyone to be a witness without a personal experience. Oh, I thought I'd get an amen there. That, was worth, that, that might be worth the price of admission tonight that you shall receive power, you shall have an experience. That way you don't have to memorize someone else's. 
You can have your own encounter. You can have your own experience. You can have your own testimony. And there's something powerful about a person who's got a testimony that's an ear and eyewitness of the working of God's power in your life. But I like sometimes to pay attention to what the Bible doesn't say. Jesus said, you shall receive power And I'm not against any of these things, but this was the thing that he said. Not a strategy. You shall receive a strategy. You shall receive creative and contextual methods. You shall receive sermons with alliteration that all start with P and a poem at the end. You shall receive more money, more volunteers, more leaders, more churches. Nope. The first thing you need is power. Can I get an amen out there? But wait, there's more. I feel like I'm one of those commercials late at night where it's like, you can, you get the one ShamWow or you get this, and but wait, there's more. If you, right now, okay, I'm not, it's gonna sound a little bit like that, but wait, there's more. I went looking through Bible Gateway and I typed in the word power to see how many times God's power is mentioned and what happens after that. And I'm wondering if anyone in the room could use a little more of this. God's power over sin and death. Could anyone use more of God's power over the enemy? Could anyone use more of God's power over temptation to demolish strongholds, to endure suffering? You can experience freedom and salvation and for preaching, for signs and wonders and healings and miracles and for protection and for power to do exceedingly, abundantly beyond all you could ever ask or imagine. Is there anybody out there that could use a little bit of power. You see, I'm working with the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada as a national church multiplication coordinator and and seeing what's happening across our nation and hearing stories, starting to just see where God is, you know, where God is at work, but also where the enemy is at work. And, you know, some would suggest that we are in a post-Christian context, moving to a post-truth context context where anyone with a truth-based ideology will be attacked because post-truth has no absolute truth and so anyone who has absolute truth will not be tolerated anymore but will be met with pushback significant pushback and so I don't think having debates in culture is going to win culture especially on social media I like what Paul the Apostle said back in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4, that he didn't come with wise and persuasive words, but came with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. You see, what's it going to take in our culture for people to see that God is real, and that he is true, and that he is powerful? I think it's going to be people living into the power of God and testifying it, and loving, and serving, and giving abundantly. 
They go, how would you do that? When you walk through trials and suffering, you somehow count it joy because character is being built in you. When other people are getting promotions at work and you can celebrate with them and not be bitter, people are going to notice that. It's like a Calgary Flames fan at an Oilers game. It's just going to stand out. We need his power. And it's interesting as we look in Acts chapter 2 that God is being intentional again. You see, in Acts chapter 2, this was the, the, the Pentecost was the second great festival in the Jewish calendar. And the idea of, of this particular festival was the harvest of the first fruits of the grain harvest. Meaning you bring in the first bit of harvest you have with the idea of saying, I'm going to sow this initial, uh, I'm going to give this initial offering believing that there's going to be more that is coming later. And trusting that God is the source. And the imagery again I think is helpful for us. Because we see the first fruits of Jesus' ministry in that upper room. Where the church is being born and the spirit is being poured out for an incredible harvest. And see Jesus was very passionate about the harvest. About people far from God. Luke chapter 10 verse 2 he said that the harvest, the harvest, the harveys? No, harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his field. In John 4, 35, he said, do not say that there are four months and then comes the harvest. I say to you, lift up your eyes, look on the fields. They are white for harvest. So three things Jesus is saying is there's a plentiful harvest, there's a short of workers, and that it's urgent. That word there where the, the, the harvest is white. I don't know, maybe some of you have driven between Highway 2, between Edmonton and Calgary in that September, October season where you look out on the grain harvest and, it, and you see this golden field, you know, just swaying in the wind. And sometimes you even see when I was uh, driving that lots and sometimes late at night, one or two in the morning, driving back from Calgary to Edmonton, I would see farmers out there harvesting late at night with their, with their big machinery and their lights just shining, trying to get the harvest off. It was a number of, I think a number of years ago, I was at the Fraser family farm out near Delia, Alberta. Some of you probably have no idea where that is. It's near Drumheller. And that farm has been in the Fraser family for over a hundred years. So I'm there visiting with my uncle and I'd come across this, uh, this uh, idea of like a white harvest because I've never seen white grain. Have you? Where the I've seen golden grain, but I've never seen it get that pale yellow that it's almost white. And I'd done a little bit of research and I said to my uncle, I said, have you ever heard when a grain harvest gets white, what happens? He goes, we call that a dead ripe. A dead ripe. Do you need to explain that? He goes, when you start to see the harvest white, instead of having weeks to get the harvest off, you now have days or you're going to lose the entire harvest. Jesus said, look up at the fields and see that they are white 
for harvest. He's saying there's plenty of harvest, but there's a shortage of workers, but we need to have greater urgency. And can I tell you this, if it's just left up to you and me working it into our convenient schedules, it's not going to happen. But there's something about when the power of God begins to work in your life, somehow you begin to see people how God sees them. You begin to have burdens and you begin to care and you begin to, you begin to see the pain points in other people's lives when you begin to experience the power of God. And can I tell you that there's an urgency? There is an urgency. And can I tell you that the harvest is plentiful? And we need to pray and ask God for more workers. You see, God's power is given to us, but it's not just for us. The power is released in us. It gives us a testimony. We become a reflection then of the kingdom of God, and we're able to freely give what we have freely received. And as I said before, we have this huge harvest and shortage of workers and we're running out of time. And we need leaders and church planters and pastors and families and young adults and teens and kids absolutely filled with the power of God so we can share the good news, to have that passion and burden to reach the harvest. Those that are far from God, and can I tell you, it's going to take sacrifice, energy, it's going to take finances, and it's going to take God's power. And I'm excited as we reach people for him. I used to hear growing up, and if you grew up in church world, you probably heard this, that the future is the young people. And I, I kind of agree with that. Yeah, I would say, yeah, I wouldn't say they're the future. They're actually the present church, aren't they? I actually think the future of the church is the harvest. I thought I'd get an amen there. I'd, I actually wrote it in my notes. Make sure you wait for an amen because the, actually, the future of church is the harvest. Some of our best pastors and churches, uh, church leaders and planters and culture shapers and business leaders are not even followers of Jesus yet. That is exciting news that our best days for the church in Canada is ahead. But we have to be putting our focus back on the harvest but instead of sometimes us playing to win, it feels sometimes like we're just playing not to lose. Where we have maintenance and management and those things are winning the day. And those are good unless they get in the way of the mission of God. And how many people here know that we need God? In our day, now, in our nation. And by the way, I'm a big believer that if Canada wins, the world's going to win. We have a call, we have a, we have a purpose in the world that if we begin to see our nation become a Christian nation again, people who are genuine followers of Jesus Christ, we could begin to see a world changed. But it's amazing to me how much of what we call church could be done without the Spirit's power. I heard a story recently of someone who was working in a restricted access nation and so they couldn't, they had to constantly move. They had to constantly move locations. Otherwise, uh, where they were meeting, they would all be arrested. So they couldn't meet in the same place twice. And remember, if they, you know, they're kind of, you couldn't put it on social media. You couldn't put it up. You know, like next month, you guys all know where you're going to be meeting because you've already booked the place. You know, it's coming, you know, the time and everything. But they were like, they could, so this, 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 uh, this pastor friend was there and he's like, he's like, 
you know, okay, so we're meeting at this time. You say, but you can't, you can't tell people. He's like, how are people going to find out where we're meeting? And the pastor of the, this underground church looked at him and he goes, people are going to pray. They're going to pray and they're going to find, they're going to ask the Lord where the service is going to be and people are going to show up. And hundreds of people showed up. I wonder if we did that here in Canada, what would happen? You start changing. Imagine, you do a resurgence. You don't tell anyone. You have to pray and ask God where we're meeting. See how many people show up. They need the power of the Holy Spirit, so they're leaning into it. Sometimes I think we forget how desperately we need his spirit and his power in our lives. If God wasn't present with us in our times that we meet, would we even know? I hope we would. As Pastor Travis said, there's no point in us even being here if the presence of God is not here. But in church world, we could rely on gifted leaders that communicate, skilled musicians, dedicated volunteers, heated buildings, and we have religious freedom in our nation, and there's ways to mass communicate through technology, and so many great things, and all of these are fine, but we can't forget that we can congregate, but it's only God who captivates. And we can stimulate, but only God who saturates. And we can populate, but only God can penetrate the hearts of people. And I'm pleading with you tonight, believing that, that God will stir up a greater hunger in our hearts again for the moving of God's spirit in our lives, in our homes, but also in our churches that we attend that we're a part of. Because I don't think this can be an afterthought anymore. I think it's the spirit of God that draws people. It's the spirit that emboldens people to share their faith and causes courage to rise up in our preachers. It's the spirit of God that leads people to freedom. It's the spirit of God that brings wholeness to the hurting. We are limited, but I want to tell you tonight, family, that God is not God is not limited and he is not intimidated by the task that is in front of us. In fact, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms is ours. We have access to it all to see the mission of God accomplished. And so just as we're kind of going to land the plane here, there's just two quick steps when you're asking for the power of God, that you need to ask with desperation. And maybe you're here tonight and you're in great need, and so that's not hard, but maybe you're in a place where you're not as desperate. But I think sometimes we have to work hard to be desperate. I think we have to, you know, find ways to, to, to put ourselves out there in places that if God didn't show up, this is all going to fail, that I think sometimes even too that we're too sheltered from how difficult our, word is, our world is or how much our world needs Jesus and do we have brokenness for our neighbors and, and, and do we have, are we, are we getting involved in people's lives and in some of their messes? Because if we don't, we run the risk of being Pharisees, don't we? who just avoided people's pain and avoided. I think sometimes when I'm around people that are hurting and broken, it reminds me of how desperate I need God because I can't fix that problem. I can't do anything about that. T.D. Jakes, I heard a message many years ago. He said this, that God is the only person who's attracted to desperation. 
typically it's not a good look. <laughs> right? You're trying to find someone special that you can spend the rest of your life with. Desperate's not a great look. But when God sees desperate, he can't stay away. That's ex- in fact, that's exactly who he's looking for. We need his power in our lives, so let's ask with a heart of desperation. I'm gonna invite the worship team to come on back. The second thing is you gotta act. You gotta act. Don't underestimate the power of small steps of faith or acts of kindness and love. We wanna walk in step with the Spirit, and then uh, I remember it was many years ago uh, watching it was ESPN 5 or something. I don't even know. But it was ballroom dancing. Have you ever seen professional ballroom dancers? It was on like ESPN 5. I didn't realize it was a sport. But anyways, I'm watching it. It was a Sunday afternoon and there was no sports on. There was no baseball. I don't know why I was. And I was just like after a busy day of church, I'm just kind of laying on the couch. ESPN 5, watch it. I'm like, I can't believe how in sync they are. It just looks like they're floating across. Like, it's just like they're, I don't even know what's happening. And I'm sitting there going, this is unbelievable. How do they do this? Like, they look like they're in perfect sync. But, but in ballroom dancing, there's always someone leading. It's the guy. And I remember the Spirit of God speaking to me. He's like, that's what keeping in step with it, keeping in step with the Spirit is like. You see, when the guy takes a step, it's a quick response right away. And it's so quick, it looks like they're in totally in sync. When you want to keep in step with the Spirit, it's a quick response. It's not asking the Lord for three prophetic words and a, you know, if you know, put out a fleece and you know. Sometimes it's just a quick step. God speaks and you respond. That's how you keep in step with the Spirit. And when you do that, every step of faith that you take, it's like a domino effect. You familiar with the domino effect? A three-inch domino can knock over another domino 1.5 times its size. And did you know this, that the 13th domino has 280 million times the strength needed for the first one. It builds momentum as it goes. So one domino can topple a domino uh, 1.5 its size, but by the time, if you take a three inch domino and add 1.5 every time, listen to this. By domino number 18, you can knock over the Tower of Pisa with a three-inch domino. And by number 21, you can knock over the Eiffel Tower. And faith is like that first two-inch domino that begins to knock over and sets off a chain reaction. When resurgence started this many years ago, it was a domino, Pastor Travis. It was a domino that you pushed over. And then what happened? You began to knock over other things and other things, things that you never thought possible. But it was that first step of faith. God's power is released when you take that step of faith. It may seem small. It may seem simple. It may seem like you just coming to the altar tonight for just a prayer. But there's something about that step of faith that sets off a chain reaction in the kingdom of God. So tonight we're going to pray for God's power to be released. And we sang about it tonight, that we have to believe in the goodness of God. He's not holding it back from you. In fact, he just wants to release it in you. He wants to release his power. And so we can have faith and expectation from that place that he's good. 
And the second thing is we got to be willing to experience more than you can explain. I think sometimes we get worried about like, you know, well, what, what's happening? What's God doing? You won't always understand what he's doing. But being open, and that was what I prayed for, what we prayed for at the beginning, that there would be an openness tonight to the to be willing to experience more you can explain and then and then just ask God for the power. We have God on our side. Nothing is impossible for him and he gives us the power. So it's time for us to receive every single ounce, every single uh, every single thing that he has for us. Are you ready? Would you bow your heads with me? Thanks so much for listening tonight. I'm going to go back to that list that I read earlier. Do you need God's power over some sin in your life? you feel like the enemy is attacking you and you need God's power to prevail. By the way, he's already won the battle. It's just, we can just receive his power to stay on the winning side of it. Maybe there's some temptation in your life and you need God's power. Maybe you need to demolish some strongholds. Maybe there's some poor thinking and self-esteem and self-image. Maybe you need God's power to help you endure the suffering you're going through. You didn't do anything wrong, but you're still going through a troubled time and you need his power. Maybe you need freedom in an area of your life. Maybe you need a healing, a sign and a wonder to show up. Maybe you're asking God tonight for his power, for protection. Yeah, no weapon formed against you will prosper, but it doesn't mean weapons aren't being formed against you. It just means they're not going to prosper. Maybe you need God's power because you need him to transform you. And lastly tonight, maybe you need God's power so you can be his witness. So you can be his witness. So you can have boldness to share your faith, to take that step of faith when, when you feel like God's nudging you to share, nudging you to ask, nudging you to have that spiritual conversation. You won't step away from it. You'll step into it because you've got his power. There's a lot of things that God gives us power for. What do you need from him tonight? What do you need from him tonight? So go ahead and begin to ask with a heart of desperation. What do you need him for? What do you need the power of God for? I'm going to invite you to stand. Worship team is going to lead us here and we're going to open up the altars. What do you need his power for tonight? Don't leave here without 
getting everything you need from him. He's here. Pastor Travis, just at the end of worship, he's like, isn't this a beautiful spirit? Don't you sense God's presence here? It was beautiful. And he's here and he's ready to pour out his power so that you can walk in it. So if you feel comfortable, just put out your hands right now. I'm going to pray over you. And yeah, there's, you can ask God in your seats. We're going to do that right now. But that some of you are going to need extra. You're going to need someone to agree with you in prayer. You're hungry for more of God. You're hungry for more of His Spirit. You're hungry for something. We encourage you to come forward at the end. We'd love to pray with you. But right now in your seats where you're standing. God, whatever they need, you know every son and daughter here. You know exactly what you, what what they need. Even, even before they even ask, God, you know what they need and the answer is already on the way. God, whatever they need power for right now, whatever they need power for right now, as I listed all those things from the scriptures, God, would you just begin to do that? Send your power, send your spirit, God. Begin to bubble up inside of them. Let them begin to feel your strength come to the weak areas. Let them feel freedom come as those chains begin to fall off. God, I pray that people just begin to be healed even in their seats right now, God. There's some that maybe need a financial miracle that God, even this week, they would see your hand of provision meet them in a powerful way. Oh God, would you send your power to your people right now? It's a promise. We're just here to receive tonight. We're just here to receive. It's all here and it's all available. God, we just want to receive what you have for us tonight and begin to walk in that in Jesus' name. Go ahead and just take 30 more seconds and receive it. Just begin to ask him. Ask big prayers right now. Maybe you already said, yeah, I asked him for this. Well, go ahead and ask him for more. That's the beautiful thing about the Spirit of God. There's always more. You can wake up every single day and experience everything that day, and the next day there will still be more. Don't be satisfied. Don't be satisfied when there's so much more. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. We hope that you were blessed. For more information about Resurgence, including how you can take part of this great movement, visit www.liveresurgence.com.